So if you would open up your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. We'll be reading there in a moment. I want to share with you guys a poem that I found. It's not often I do poetry from the pulpit, but um, I want to share this one with you. No snapping, please. It's, uh, it's called Out of the Darkness, and the author, from what I found on the internet, is unknown. We don't know who wrote it. Um, but it goes like this. It says, Out of the dark, forbidding soil, the pure white lilies grow. Out of the black and murky clouds descends the stainless snow. Out of the crawling, earthbound worm, a butterfly is born. Out of the somber, shrouded night, behold a golden morn. Out of the pain and stress of life, the peace of God pours down. Out of the nails, the spear, the cross, redemption, and a crown. It's a beautiful poem describing the difficulties in life and the beauty that can come thereafter. And just like this poem, life is full of darkness. Trials and difficulty, whether you're saved or not, hard times will come. But how we decide to navigate the troubles is crucial to determining the result of the outcome. If we cling to our own ideas, our own ways, the lilies don't grow, the pure white, doesn't, pure white snow doesn't come, and the butterflies don't come, the sun doesn't rise. But if we cling to Jesus through the struggles, we find the blessing that is produced out of the darkness and the beautiful things that come from our difficulties. So let's read our text this morning out of Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, verses 1 through 10. It says, The whole commandment that I command to you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then, know then in your heart, as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of your Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out of the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning. God, I ask, Lord, that your spirit 
would touch the lives in this place, God, that you would go where I cannot go, God, that your spirit would touch the hearts and the minds of the people here, Father, that it wouldn't be my words, God, my intellect or my clever thoughts, God, but it would be your spirit, God, your power that touches the people in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So first I want to speak about the testing or the darkness. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. The book of James here is addressing believers. So this tells us one thing. Believers will come against trials. There's a lot of um, happy-go-lucky preachers out there that like to tell you when you get saved, life is all daisies and dandelions. It's just simply not that way. But the question is, when we're saved, can we come against these trials in joy? You see, the trials are going to come. There's nothing we can do about it. If you've been alive for probably at least a year, you know that you're going to have some hard times. Whether it be as a child going through school or even an adult going through school. Relationship issues, whether it be with your spouse or with brothers, sisters, friends, Cousins, whatever it is, career issues. A lot of people have had career issues over the last years. Rather, their career just comes to a dead halt. Or they're just struggling to get by with their careers lacking in the business. And that, of course, goes right into finances, right? Times are tough. Bills are on the table and the money's not. These are the trials that people encounter on a daily basis. Nobody is unfamiliar with at least one of these things. And all of these things, even if they are successful, if you fly through these things with flying colors, can be tough. It can be tough to be successful in school and relationships. It takes work. And trials come even through success. But when they come with trials and doubt and fear and wonders if you're going to make it through Things are falling apart, whether it is the relationships, the collections calls are coming on the bills, the career is in uncertain, the health is uncertain. When the outcome is unpredictable and you don't know what's going to happen, the reality is this is life. Saved or not, these are things we come against. But the Bible tells us, as we just read, is we are supposed to take on these things with joy. That's a lot easier said than done. I'll, I'll testify to that one right now. In our text in Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and 3, we'll read it again. It says, You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that He might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you should keep His commandments or not. And He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So if you're not familiar with this story, this 40 years that this scripture is referencing is Moses speaking to the children of Israel. They're coming to the end of the 40 years where they spent 40 years wandering in the desert following the guidance of God. And uh, the 40 years, of course, is, was inevitable, or I'm sorry, was avoidable because 
They could have just claimed the promises that God had to begin with, but that's a different sermon. But they find themselves wandering in the desert for 40 years. And this is a literal desert, of course. They're wandering through the wilderness. God provides for them manna. When they complain about the manna, they get overrun with pigeons. But God provides for them. Even in the toughest time of their lives, when Israel was in the real wilderness with actual trials, facing uncertain times, they would try to save the manna for the next day and they would go to to it the next day and it's spoiled. They had to rely on God for their daily bread. You see, they came against real struggles and real trials and they had to rely on God in this very real wilderness. For us, yes, we live in a desert, but I believe we all have homes. We all drove here in cars. And even then, we've got GPS. We're not wandering literally, but we find ourselves sometimes in our lives in a figurative wilderness, in a spiritual wilderness with very real trials where we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know how to navigate all of these issues. Or maybe we think we do, but we don't like how God's handling it. But in our text, it challenges, actually it's more so commending Israel and reminding them to continue to keep His commandments, to keep the commandments that God has for us. You see, when we come against these trials, when we come against these difficulties, we're going to be challenged and we're going to be tempted to stray away from the commandments of the Word of God, to stray away from the life that God has called us to live because we feel the need to make things happen on our own, by our own means. We should keep His commandments and stay honorable, to live right and don't make bad choices that are going to make our wilderness even drier. You see, in the Old Testament, we find the Ten Commandments. Everybody has at least heard of them. You might, may or may not have them memorized. I'll read through them quickly here. You shall not have any other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. All of us wish our kids were in here right now. Well, some of them are. (laughs) You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's servants, your neighbor's ox, or in other words, their vehicle, their donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. So basically, this God's Ten Commandments covers a multitude of issues, a multitude of sins that we can commit in our lives, of bad decisions, if you will. And Jesus sums them all up in a much more simpler way when we grasp what he's saying in Matthew 22, 36-40. Jesus is asked, Teacher, which of the great commandments, which is the great commandment, in the law. So in other words, he's trying to get Jesus to pick which one's the best. And Jesus says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You see, church, when we love God with all our heart, with all our soul and all our mind, the Ten Commandments come naturally. When we desire to love God with all that we are, we desire to do right. 
We desire to live righteously, and certainly we stumble and we fail every now and then. There's no doubt about that. And the second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says this is like the first one. When you think, well, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't sound much like the first one. So how is it like the first one? Well, if we love God with all of our heart, with all our soul, with all that we are, we are destined, we are bound to love what He loves. And just as He loves us, He loves our neighbor. So when we love God with all our hearts, with all that we are, we begin to instill within us a natural love for our neighbor because God loves our neighbor. So therefore, we should treat our neighbors as we desire to be treated in step with loving God with all that we are. So this is all good information, and it's all, you know, that's nice, right? But we're talking about dealing with this through trials, through the hard times in life. You see, God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And if life is going good, that's easy to say. That's easy to say, all right, I got it. But when the layoffs come, when the divorce papers are filed, whatever it is, can we hold on to these commandments? Can we cling to these things that God says, listen, good or bad, rain or shine, whatever you're going through, these are the commandments. They don't change, right? God doesn't say, okay, you're having a hard day, so I'm going to lower the bar. That <laughs> would be nice, but that's not how it works. Deuteronomy 8, 6-7 from our main text this morning. So you shall keep the commandments of, of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and by fearing Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out of the valleys and the hills. So as I said, when life's going good, it's easy, right? You see, Israel is coming to the end of 40 years in the wilderness. And if you guys are familiar with the story, they didn't do that great, but they made it. <laughs> God's standards didn't change for Israel through the 40 years. Whether they were worshiping a golden calf while Moses was up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, or whether they were praising God for the manna from heaven, the standards were the same. The commandments were the same. And they definitely had some good days and they definitely had some bad days. But at the end of it, what are we doing when things go wrong? When things aren't going quite right, can we keep God's commandments? When we're tempted to cuss out our neighbor instead of to love and bless our neighbor, can we remember what Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself? My neighbor's upstairs. We live in an apartment. My neighbor's upstairs love to play loud music at about 11 o'clock. I love my neighbor. <laughs> did, did you guys believe me? <laughs> but the idea here is that if I get a chance to bless that neighbor, will I bless that neighbor? Personally, I haven't met them face to face. But will I be tempted to say, hey, turn your stupid music down. I don't even like it anyway. And it's 11 o'clock at night. Come on. Or am I going to invite them to church? Am I going to offer to pray for them? Am I going to tell them about Jesus? When it's 11.30 at night, it's probably not what I'm going to knock on their door and say. 
But can we love our neighbors when life is tough? And don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing the trials of life to loud music at 1130. That's, that's trivial. <laughs> but when life is hard, when our neighbors are causing our affliction, when our wife and our husband, our cousins, our brothers, our sisters, our friends are the ones that are causing the trials, can we still love that person as our neighbor? When your boss gives you your walking papers... Can you tell him God bless you out the door? Can we believe in God that whatever the reason is for the wilderness, whatever the cause is for the trials in our lives, that he is going to bring us through to the end, to his promised end. You see, if we keep our commandments and we prove ourselves faithful to God through these times, through the darkness and wilderness, God will provide for us, just as he did for the children of Israel. Manna from heaven, they didn't, the children of Israel didn't do that. God did that. God provided for them. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their feet didn't swell. That's God. Yeah, they were going through some hard times, but God carried them through it. How many trials in our lives, I have to wonder, have we been through that God had a way through for us. God had a blessing for us at the end of it, but we decided to do it our own way and missed out on what God had for us. The lessons and the blessing and being carried through it. You see, many people in today's world live their life this way. We live in a generation that has no faith in God. I mean, it's not hard to find it. <laughs> Just turn on the TV. I say that one a lot, but it's true. That's why I don't have a TV because it's full of wickedness. I'd rather open my Bible. Anyway, there's, we live in a generation that does it their own way. That when life gets difficult, when the struggles come, even Christians, okay, fine, I just got to you know, make it happen. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to pick up the extra shifts, even though I might miss obligations to, to church, to ministry, Although I might not have time with my family. Your family is your number one ministry. If you're sitting in here thinking, okay, I don't have ministry. If you have a family, you have ministry. As a Christian, if you have family, you have ministry. That's why it drives me up the wall, these, these people who profess to be fathers, Christian fathers in a family, but they're working 150 hours a week and they never see their children. I'm a pastor. You guys know that. But my, my family is my number one ministry. That's what the Bible tells us. Not only is your family your ministry, it's your number one ministry. Anyway, that's not my sermon. That, that one's for free. You see, many people live that way where they take matters in their own hands. Where they say, God, I'm not patient enough to see what you have for me through this. I need to do this. I need to do that. I'm going to let this relationship crumble because it's just easier for me that way. I'm going to take... The, the prescribed poison because it's easier for me that way. Don't get me wrong, modern medicine, there's a lot of miracles there. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not condemning anybody for taking modern medicine. However, sometimes God has a way. God has a way past it. Our God is a supernatural God. I've seen many things that tell me I don't, I don't need those. I, I mean, I'll, I'll profess to you right now. I'm severe, I diagnosed severely ADHD. I don't take that medicine. I didn't like it. It messed me up. I believe in God to carry me through, and He does. 
I, I wouldn't be able to stand up here and do what I do without God carrying me through. Uh, you know, sometimes it's hard, but God is faithful. In Matthew 24, 13, Jesus tells us, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Think about the children of Israel wandering through the desert at 40 years. What about 39 years? They said, you know what? This is stupid. We're leaving. Guess what? They're not seeing the promised land. They didn't make it to the promised land. If they quit, whether it's 1, 2, 10, 15, 30 years, wherever it is they quit, if you don't make it to the end, this is what Jesus says. If you don't endure through the whole thing, you don't receive the prize. If you run the marathon and you stop at 26 miles, you don't run that, what's that, 0.6? You don't run that remaining 0.6 miles. Guess what? You didn't finish the marathon. You don't even get the participation trophy. They hand those out now. But this is a promise of Christ that if we endure through the struggles, we endure through the temptations, through the trials, then salvation awaits. This isn't just temporary trials in our life, but this is eternal. When we endure, there is a promise of blessing at the end of the trial. And I want to speak about that promise. The end of the trial reveals God's grace and provision. It, it can give us hindsight, looking back at the struggles and realizing, wow, God was, God was there. God was involved in that. Deuteronomy 8, 4-5 from our main text this morning. Your clothing did not wear out on you. Your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. When we're going through it, when life is tough, when the struggles are right in our face, sometimes we feel like God's abandoned us. I hear people say that, you know, God's, God doesn't care about what I'm going through. God doesn't care about my struggles. I don't feel God. But here we see Moses telling the children of Israel, you didn't even notice, you're still wearing the same shirt you were wearing when all this started. And you don't have any holes in it. Your feet aren't swollen. I walk around for like six hours and my feet are, are swollen. Forty years, my feet would look like balloons. But Moses is telling Israel, guys, you didn't even realize. You're complaining all these 40 years, you're complaining. Whining and complaining. If you know the story, you know that's basically a majority of what they did the 40 years. But look at you. You made it. You're alive, for one. I mean, that's, that's provision. Your clothes didn't wear out. Your pants are staying up. And then he says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. You know, a father who loves their children disciplines their children because they desire them to grow into good and honorable people. Again, talking, my generation, I'm a millennial. My generation grew up on not really being all that disciplined. You, you see the results of it in today's world. You see the results. You just look around. This is the result of an undisciplined generation. This is the result of a generation whose parents didn't whoop their butts. My parents whooped my butts, and I'm thankful for it. Maybe not when it was happening, but I can look back and I say, man, I'm so glad my parents did that to me. As a good father disciplines his children, so God will allow us to go through some struggles. Because he desires to prepare us for what he wants us to be, for who he wants us to be. And this isn't just here on earth. God has 
plans for us here on earth. We all have a will and a destiny that God desires for us to carry out. But this is also eternal. God's preparing us for eternity. When we go through trials, he's preparing us. A lot of people don't realize this. They think we just go to heaven where it's like, oh, this is great. Where's the you know, chocolate fountain and all that stuff? There's stuff to do in heaven. There's responsibilities. There are th- jobs. We're going to work in heaven. I know it sounds like a drag, but it's going to be great. That's what the Bible says. I believe it. <laughs> God's preparing us here on earth for what he has for us, not just in our futures here, but in eternity. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For this light, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving us, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Paul is telling the church in Corinth right here that listen, you're going through struggles, you're going through some hard times, but in the grand scheme of things, when you get to eternity, when it's all over, it's gonna just be a memory. And it's going to, you're going to look back and go, man, that was worth this. I spent a lot of time in my uh, teen years, in my early adult life, not wanting to put a good amount of time into anything because it seemed like a lot of work. And when I finally got to the point to where I realized, like, man, I'm getting older and I haven't accomplished much. <laughs> I need to finally put my hand to the wheel. I need to finally get something done. And once I finally put, I'm talking about something that takes like a year or two or three or whatever. I'm a college dropout. I finished high school because I had to, and I dropped out of college. It took too long. I got bored with it. But when I finally put my hands to something, which happened to be ministry, I achieved goals. I reached things, and I realized, man, that was a lot of hard work, but now I'm here. I've done it. I, I, I accomplished what I wanted to do. It was worth it. And this is what our life is. This is what our life is, is that it's achieving eternal glory. That's the basis of our life is to do that. All the trials we find on this earth, and this earth is not short of them, we'll look back at them and go, man, that was all worth it because God brought me to this point. You see, the troubles, once we pass through them, we can realize God provided for us. God carried us through them. And then we can also look at them as a blessing, as something that made us who we are. And the best part about it is once we come to the end of trials in our lives, we can look at the past as a blessing, the provision of God through these things as a blessing. And generally, there's a blessing at the end of it too. At the very least, it's character building and lessons learned. I've learned a lot of good lessons I've, I've learned lessons from things I didn't like that I'm thankful for because it made me who God wanted me to be. James 5, verse 11 says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Now, if you guys know Job's story, you know that that dude had a little bit of a rough patch in his life. The Bible describes him as a blessed and wise man. He had many riches, much property. He had it going on. He, was, he had it good, right? And just like that, it was all gone. His, all of his children died. He lost everything he owned. And the only thing that stuck around, at least for a little while, was a wife that was telling him, just curse God and die. 
that really brings to truth the proverb that says it's it's better to live in the corner of a house than with a nagging wife. What if your wife is nagging you to curse God and die? Just die, Job. Your life isn't even worth it. Job went through it. He went through some trials. I don't think any one of us has been through anything that can compare to his story. And thank God for that. I pray that none of us do. But what we learn from Job's story is through all of it, he remains faithful to God. He doesn't do what his wife said. He doesn't curse God. He doesn't understand what's going on. If you've read the book, he's like, I don't get this. This is crazy. But I know that God is faithful. I know who God is. And when he comes to the end of his story, Job is blessed twofold. He gets double everything that he had before. It's twice as many you know, sheep and flocks and all that stuff. His fortune is twice. All of this stuff happens because of Job's faithfulness. He endured through the trial and was faithful to God through it. And he was blessed at the end. And James 1, uh, verse 11 goes on to verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. You see this text right here, this is referring to our eternal reward. I touched on it a little bit ago. When we endure the trials in life, if we remain in Christ through these trials, we are blessed to come out of them just as the children of Israel was blessed to come out of the 40 years. You see, this is right before they take the promised land. Before they finally get to realize the blessing of their 40 years of faithfulness. It might have been just barely, a, just barely faithfulness, but it was faithfulness. And God rewarded them for them. He gave them what He promised them. And this is true for us. Whether our trials last four days or 40 years, if we endure them faithfully to Christ, then there is a promised land awaiting for us, whether it be on this earth or in heaven. You see, and then as we come out of these trials, there's always some type of blessing, whether it be monetary, physical, relational, or even just spiritual. Sometimes we just grow our faith, and that's worth it. But just as they did for Israel, they do for us. The, the trials repeat. The trials cycle through. They didn't wander through the desert again. But if you know the history of Israel after they got to the promised land, they went through some things. It wasn't just all you know, wonderful and beautiful and perfect once they got to the promised land. They made some bad choices. They found themselves in some other trials. They found themselves in captivity in a foreign nation. The trials didn't stop when they found the promised land. And just like for us, when we make it through the trials and God brings us through to the other side, we finally get to the light that we saw at the end of the tunnel, we can rest assured, if you can put it that way, that more trials are going to come. This is just the reality of life. I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer. But life in of itself is a trial. One that if we endure with Christ will bring us the crown of life. We will achieve eternal glory in heaven. 2 Timothy 4, 7-8, Paul speaks about this when writing to Timothy. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but to also to all who have loved his appearing. You see, when Paul writes this text to Timothy, he's in captivity. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. And he knows his time is coming to an end. He writes this letter full well knowing that his death is coming. He is going to be executed for his faith. But he realizes this trial, this life, the same Paul that wrote what I read earlier to the Corinthians, this momentary and light affliction, it's all for the eternal glory. It's all for what we achieve in heaven. Paul understands this and he realizes the trials, the fight, I finished it. I'm coming to the end to get to what I'm really working for. To live is Christ and to die is gain. We live in a world that's terrified of death. Look at how we all reacted to COVID. Most, most of us, a lot of us. Because they're so afraid to die. Don't get me wrong, I, I kind of understand it. Mortality is kind of freaky. But as Christians, Christians who truly believe in our salvation through Jesus Christ, death brings true life. Death brings the reality of our faith. This is what we live for. This is what Paul is talking about. I'm done. The finish line's right there. He's probably not all that afraid. He's pretty excited, probably. He went through a lot. He's probably ready to be done getting beat up and thrown in jail and flogged. Eternity is the goal. Eternity is the promise. Eternity is the blessing. Trials here on earth, they come and they go. Times of blessing, they come and they go. But eternity is the result of all of it. I'll read it again. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Through blessing, through trials, life requires endurance. Even through the good times, we have to make the right choices. I think that's why, that's why some people, some Christians aren't rich because God knows as soon as I give you a bunch of money, you're going to blow it and you're going to take off. God protects us from things we don't need. Things that we think are a blessing. I'd love for, you know, $50 million to show up in my bank account, but God probably knows I don't need that. But it's the eternal glory. It's the eternal blessing. That's the light at the end of the tunnel. That's the light at the end of our life. If we make it through and we remain faithful to Christ, we get the greatest blessing we could ever achieve, we could ever desire, and that's eternity with Jesus in heaven. And we only get one life. And with or without Christ, hard times will come. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter if you're the poorest of poor or if you're Elon Musk. I guarantee you he has some hard days in his rocket. <laughs> Flying around outer space wondering what, what tomorrow's going to hold. Saved or not saved, with or without Christ, hard times come. And we can either endure, the, endure these trials on our own and suffer the pain and let down, and at the end of it wind up in hell rather than heaven, or we can endure these trials with Jesus. We can experience true joy and blessing 
within the trials and thereafter. And when it all comes to an end, when the trial of life itself comes to an end, we find our eternal home. The Bible describes it as a city whose architect is God himself. Think about that. I love that verse because you've got to wonder. You, know, you look at nature. God made that. And it's beautiful. A lot of beautiful things in nature, but the cities, it's all man-built. There's some cool-looking cities. There's skyscrapers and all these things, but this is a city built by God. You think the skyline of New York City or whatever is cool? Wait till you get to heaven because I'm sure God's a lot more creative than the architects we have down here. But the reality is this is, this is the result of faith through trials and through the good times. And once we get to heaven, even the blessings here on earth, are gonna, we're going to look back at them and they're going to look like trials. But no matter what, they're going to come. Are we going to take them on, on our own power, by our own might? Or are we going to take them on with Christ, with faithfulness, looking for the joy in the trials? Can I have every head bowed and every eyes closed?